here for what it means today, just as it meant 2,000 years ago. It changes everything. And now I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will speak through your servant Mark and give us ears to hear what we need to hear today. In Jesus' name. Amen. see this is our theme for this morning. For those of us of a certain generation, remember um, used to go to the pictures and this was one of those uh, screens that would come up to be continued. That's our theme for this morning. I guess anyone who has been a fan of a TV show or you've read a really good book that's part of a series You'll know that feeling when that particular book ends or that series ends on a cliffhanger. The credits roll, the words come up to be continued. Knowing that you have to wait for the, uh, those unresolved questions and loose ends to be answered at a later date. Now, some of you, again, I think you may be of a certain age, uh, may recall an American soap opera way back in the 80s, uh, Dallas. Do any of you remember Dallas, an American soap opera? Um, and uh, I loved it. Um, and it featured a character called J.R. Ewing, who is a big magnet um, and a not a very nice character. But um, the series ended on uh, with him being shot. Um, and then uh, we were left on this cliffhanger. Who shot J.R.? And it was all in the papers and the media at the time. Who shot J.R.? As we read Mark's account this morning, Mark's account of the Easter morning ends just like that. It ends on a cliffhanger, not just the resurrection account, but the entire Gospel of Mark. There's no earthquakes. No blinding light, no happy reunion in the garden, no barbecue on the beach like in the other gospel accounts. There's not even a resurrected Christ. Someone once said that in Mark's gospel, the resurrection is the greatest story that has never been told. And so Mark's account of the Easter Sunday ends with silence. We read, when the women found the tomb empty, they fled, for terror and amazement had seized them. There were no shouts of hallelujah, or Christ is alive. As we look at these two words, terror and amazement, now, today, we've maybe lost something of the power of those words, but we need to go back to the original Greek. And the word terror is taken from this Greek word where we today have got the word trauma and amazement. Again, the root word from the Greek is ecstasy. And so we would be able to say, so a more accurate translation would be that trauma and ecstasy had seized them. The rest of the verse of the Gospel ends with the words they didn't say anything to anyone, for they were afraid. So Mark's Gospel ends with the women being commanded to tell the disciples the good news that Jesus had been raised to life, running off in fear. 
not telling anyone anything. Surely this is not how the story should end. The best news the world has ever received has been imparted but not shared. Jesus may be alive, but the good news dies at the tomb. That is not good and made the early day Christians uncomfortable. And so much so they felt compelled to add to Mark's gospel, clean it up, add some closure to it. And so in the process, they added two endings, one short, which we shared today, and one um, with a lot more verses. The gospel goes through to verse 20. And both were added, according to scholars, well over 100 years later. So this story should not end in this way. Or should it? It is an abrupt and unexpected ending, perfect for the telling of that first Easter morning. After all, isn't the resurrection itself the ultimate in unexpected endings? It's not what those, uh, what the disciples, those or Judas, Pilate, or the chief priest expected. Those ladies came to the tomb on that first Easter morning for an ending, to close a chapter in their lives, but instead they found a new beginning. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, the disciples aren't portrayed in the best light. So is the author daring us? to do better. We can't rely on Peter, we can't rely on the disciples. So is this our story to tell now? I would suggest this morning, friends, that most of us spend our day-to-day lives not expecting resurrection. We believe, yes, that things may improve in our lives, in our circumstances. Yes, we believe that things can get slightly easier maybe, here and there. But to expect that which is truly resurrection, new life out of that which was dead, a new ending out of what we presumed already had been settled, we rarely expect that. Too often, friends, we expect broken relationships to remain exactly that broken. We assume that the prisons that we set up for ourselves of anxiety, fear, addictions, that will always remain doors locked and bars solid. Or we may hope for transformation, but we rarely expect it. But the power, the glory and the love of God does not depend, friends, on our expectations. God raised Jesus to show the powers of this world who was in charge. I would suggest this morning that along with scholars and literary experts, Mark was intentional with his ending. Mark spends his whole gospel showing how bad things happen, but they are never the last things. The last things are good news. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Mark's gospel leads us to the conclusion that the worst things are not the last things. Death does not have the last say. Light overcomes darkness. Life comes from death. Of course, we know that someone had to have said something to someone about that first Easter Sunday morning. Otherwise, Mark would not have known and penned his gospel. 
neither maybe with Matthew or Luke, who borrowed heavily from Mark. And quite possibly John would not have penned his gospel either. And of course, we would not be gathered here today or any other Sunday, because there would be no such thing as Christianity. So no, someone told someone else something that is for sure, and that is the ending that Mark invokes. But unlike our favourite TV show or our favourite book, there is no second season to Mark's Gospel. But we do know the story has a next chapter. The abrupt ending to the Gospel of Mark begs a number of questions of ultimate importance for us this morning. What will you and I do with the news? Will we tell this story? Will we give this story another chapter? Or are we too fearful to do that? Can we proclaim that this story continues in our own lives? And will we invite others into this story to take up their part in witnessing to the risen Lord? That morning, those women received a radical message. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. It's interesting to note, friends, that Galilee is where the disciples were from, where their homes, families, jobs and ordinary routines of life were. Jesus was going to the place of ordinary life, not Jerusalem, the centre of political power, going back to Galilee, to the place of ordinary life. This morning, we too are sent out from this place back to our Galilees. That means going to the margins where Jesus went, feeding the hungry, loving the unlovable, sharing words and actions of hope and healing. We proclaim our resurrection with our mouths, hands and feet in order to make way for others to be raised from their tombs. Clarence Jordan from Habitat for Humanity writes these words. The proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb, but the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that he lives is not in an empty tomb, but a spirit-filled fellowship. Not a rolled away stone, but a carried away church. The call to those women on that first Easter morning is the same one to us. We are to go back to our ordinary, everyday lives, our jobs and families and communities, and there Jesus will meet you and I and empower us. The empty tomb, friends, is not the end. This is where the work begins. This is where our lives begin. The story of resurrection is not to be told by standing and staring into an empty tomb. It is to be lived out 
by going back to our everyday lives where he has planted us. Christ is alive and we don't just have to get by in life. We can have full life because we have the courage to go to Galilee and meet our risen Saviour. The Easter is about the fact that God has not finished his business. The promise is that the same Jesus, who could not be held back by torture, by death, a stone rolled in front of a tomb, is the same Jesus who is alive today and here today and available for you and I today to, to rescue us, to heal us, to empower us and to set us free from any tomb that we have ever known. But are we prepared to bear witness to God's power to roll the stone from our own hearts and lives? Or are we content to pay homage to a dead man, a good man, but one long dead? So how will we finish the story? Will today, will we choose today the road back to the darkness of Good Friday? Or head out in faith in the light of Easter Day? Easter asks us to accept that Christ did not leave this world but continues to be present in it through the death-defying power that can overcome every kind of tomb we, can, we encounter in our lives. Every day we live our lives in faith and not in fear. We are writing the postscript to this gospel. Every day we share God's love with a fellow human being. We are writing the epilogue of the Jesus story. Today we can face forward and run into a new day where the future may remain uncertain, but it bears the imprint of the Easter day. And the words roll on the screen of God's story in ours to be continued. So we're going to spend some moments in quietness and reflection and uh, we are going to give time for us to respond and to allow God to speak to us. And as we uh, allow God to come and to speak to us and to challenge us, maybe look at these questions again this morning. Let's find the challenge for you in, in, these, in these questions. What will you do with the news? Will your lives tell this story? Can we proclaim that this story continues in our own lives? And will we invite others into this story? I'm going to ask if um, the band can come up. and We are going to um, sing a beautiful song of reflection. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And uh, I'm just going to ask the band just to play the melody through. And has the um, band just plays the melody through quietly before we sing these words. I wonder this morning, do you need to hear the risen Christ? 
speak the words, I have gone ahead of you, do not be afraid over your life and circumstances. Maybe today you've never met the risen Christ. Today maybe is that day when you will meet Christ. And we can come with him with all our questions and our doubts and our fears. But Jesus will journey along with us with all those questions. So friends, this morning, do you need to hear the risen Christ speak those words? Do not be afraid. I have gone ahead of you over your life and circumstances. Maybe there's someone here who needs to meet the risen Christ for the first time today. Take that opportunity. And so I just spend a, a few moments just um, allowing the uh, piano to play. And it may be helpful for someone to come and to kneel at our place of prayer. Um, this is not a, a place of magic, it's a place where we can encounter Christ. We can receive hope and healing and forgiveness and grace. So if it may help you to come and kneel and then for, for the rest of us to pray for each other in these moments. Let's just allow the music to play. Maybe just reflect on these words. Turn your eyes upon the Lord look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.
let's raise our voices and let's sing this together. Still time to respond as God leads. Oh, 
God, we thank you this morning for your presence here. We thank you that we are called to go out from this place into those places where we are planted in order to be your people, to tell your story. Father, help us this week as we go, go back to those places where we have been planted. Help us to be those people that share your story. Help us, we pray by your spirit. Amen. Amen.